ABGC, Episode 7, Innocence. The music from the television continues to fill the ABGC Commons area, and they watch the screen as the camera follows the flight path of the flaming insect. It crests over the tips of the trees of the forest, giving way to a beautiful valley with snow-covered mountaintops on either side and a waterfall in the center, acting as the head of a river which snakes its way through. The camera follows the flaming insect as it dances and darts through the blue sky, coming ever closer to the waterfall at the base of the valley. Scene. External. Waterfall. The crystal clear water crashing down from the waterfall into the stream below is one of the most beautiful sights imaginable. Next to the waterfall, a chubby, furry, spotted creature with a pig-like snout and oversized paws is seen snorting and snuffling through the forest. It finds its way to a cave entrance at the base of a mountain. Wagging its long tail, it proceeds to enter, winding its way through the cave until it finds the nest it had so keenly detected the scent of miles earlier. In the nest lay three glimmering blue and red colored eggs, each one twice the size of the beast's head and coated in a diamond-like material. The Noka bear begins to lick the shells methodically. As the eggshells soften from his slobber, the Noka bear thrusts its tusks against the sides of the eggs, and soon enough the eggs puncture. With a skilled twist of its head, the Noka bear cracks the eggs wide open and proceeds to devour their contents. After the last egg is digested, the Noka bear gleefully exits the cave. Content with its meal only momentarily, the creature soon returns to a full sniffling and snorting behavior as it slowly vanishes into the thick of the forest. Scene. External. The river. Early morning. The leaves and branches of the riverbank rustle and twitch, giving way to a pair of lean, stealthy, striped, cat-like individuals. Their green and yellow-colored fur is accented nicely by the metal blades they wear on their forearms and shins, which extend well past their elbows and kneecaps. Only beings that grew up with such devices could so gracefully crouch and stalk without hurting themselves in the process. They speak in a low laughter, trying to maintain some sort of composure as they approach the river. Kale speaks with a chuckle. Ha! You are too funny, Skyla. Skyla whispers. Be quiet, Kale. You'll scare the glubfish. They bound across the rocks that protrude up through the water, looking for the perfect moment to strike at the aquatic life wriggling beneath them. Skyla takes aim and leaps in, 
her splash glimmering in the sunlight. She rolls and spins beneath the water, then extends her elbows and knees in a single deliberate act, skewing a meal on three of the four blades that she wears. She lets herself grin with satisfaction, a bit too much as bubbles of air escape, reminding her she is still underwater. She looks up at the surface, anxious to show her bounty to Kale as she ascends, only to lose her confident grin to a gaze of horror. A great shadow was being cast over the surface of the water, moving far too quickly to be a simple cloud. By the time Skyla surfaced and wiped the wet fur and water from her eyes, the shadow caster was gone. And so was Kale. A trail of red water runs past the rocks she is crouched on. Skyla looks up into the sky, scanning the cloud line carefully, in disbelief, looking for any sign of Kale. She begins to cry, sobbing uncontrollably, and runs off. Scene External the Takagral Village, mid-morning. The village is primitive, yet neat and organized. The huts were of tightly woven stick walls, with steel hinges on the door and window. Each home is equipped with a small fire pit of stone beside it, an altar of sorts at the base of the walkway leading to the front door of each hut depicts the name and achievements of those that live within it. A large group of the athletic, cat-like creatures are practicing hunting maneuvers in the village center, while metal makers hammer showers of sparks in the background. Skyla disrupts the rhythm of the training as she bursts through the tree line, Skyla is screaming. He's gone! He's gone! He's gone! He's gone! He's gone! Skyla stumbles to the middle of the three large muscular males leading the training and falls to her knees, making her final approach on all fours. Gasping for breath and soaked to the bone, she is unknowingly still sporting lunch on her blades. The trainees break form into pairs of panicky gossip. The largest male in the center speaks in a deep, roaring voice. Taka girls, compose yourselves. Skyla is shaken back into attention. She stands as tall and as proud as a wet, inexperienced Taka girl can. The others watching simultaneously respond to the deep voice by lowering to a hunched position. Being respectful of their leader's wishes. The large mane of golden hair on Alpha Kaiden rests upon his broad shoulders and falls upon his muscled chest, which is mostly visible through the folds of his white tribal robe. The robe's short sleeves and overall length provide plenty of movement for his lean, muscular arms and legs. His white and yellow fur is decorated with dark green spots. 
metal rings cover his forearms and shins, and his large paw hands and paw feet are tipped with long, black, sharp claws. Alpha Kaiden speaks in a stern but compassionate voice. Give me your report, Skyla. Skyla speaks, still trying to catch her breath. Kale was, was taken by a shadowcaster. I was under the water performing a strike and, and saw the light fade. When I surfaced, he was gone. The eyes of their leader close for just a moment. He shakes his head, and a more determined look appears on his face. Alpha Kaiden speaks in an excited voice, We can stay idle no longer. It seems Alpha Equar was right. It was only a matter of time. The stories of our father state that the Godflow's rituals would bring the Shadowcasters into the valley, and now it has actually happened. We cannot allow the Godflow tribe to continue their ways. You must scout out an ambush point while I consult with the Enuk tribe. The eyes of all grow large and concerned. Skyla, with a shaky, nervous voice, says, a, a real ambush? The tribes haven't been at war for generations. Alpha Kaiden takes a more aggressive posture at the tone of her words. Skyla musters up a more militant voice. I mean, it will be done, Alpha Kaiden. Alpha Kaiden nods in acknowledgement and walks past Skyla sliding a glubfish off of her saluting arm's blade, and then takes a bite out of it. He then turns to the other trainers beside him. Come. We have a long mission ahead of us. Alpha Kaiden and his guards begin the long walk through the forest. Eventually, an opening in the trees can be seen just ahead of them, and lots of banging, rumbling, and loud grunts can be heard. The ground shakes as if a giant were walking the planet. Scene. External. Enuk Village. From overhead, the village is busy and full of life. There are three large stone structures around the perimeter of the village, with a fourth still under construction right in the center. In front of it, teams of large, hoofed, and massively muscled Inuk are harnessed together, pulling an enormous piece of triangular-shaped flat rock. Their synchronized grunts are so deep and loud that when matched with their rhythmic stomps, a thunderous shockwave of sound and vibration ripples through the air and across the ground. A lone Inuk is atop a tall wooden tower near the edge of the forest, surveying all in sight. The three Tekka girls emerge from the trees on a path that runs near the watchtower. The lone Inuk in the tower takes notice and begins to climb down. Alpha Kaiden offers him a greeting. Greetings, Alpha Equar! Alpha Equar responds, picking up a heavy axe as he dismounts the ladder, 
Greetings, Alpha Kaiden. Alpha Kaiden speaks again. You have been busy, Alpha Equar. There was only one structure in Inuk village when we last spoke. Alpha Equar politely responds, Indeed. It has been far too long since your last visit, Alpha Kaiden. Our greatest build yet is still under task. We hope to have it finished by the season's end. Alpha Kaiden smiles gently. Your wisdom and skills continue to impress. Which is why we have come to you this day. We need your wisdom on an urgent matter. Just as our fathers predicted so many generations ago, the Shadowcasters have come further into the valley and taken one of our tribe. Alpha Equar shakes his long head slowly. The black tuft of hair between his pointy triangle ears sways back and forth gently. He takes a deep breath, which lifts the dark brown leather harness that crisscrosses his light brown muscled chest. His long black braided hair also shakes back and forth, creating a wave of shimmers all the way down his long neck and back to the thin black leather loincloth wrapped around his waist. I am very sorry to hear this. Not only for your loss today, but for all the other reasons our fathers spoke of. How unfortunate the tales of yore proved true. The Shadowcasters will no doubt continue to move further into the valley, so long as the Godflow remain. Alas, your presence today is not so unexpected. We too have had several encounters with the Shadowcasters as of late. It is the reason we started the construction of the Rockade you see before you. We hope it will lend us more protection and lessen our elevation disadvantage when next we meet the Shadowcasters. Alpha Kaiden responds, I have already sent a hunter to scout an ambush point near the Godflow camp. We do not wish tribal war, but the Godflow ignored my ancestors when they pleaded with them to stop their moon-worshipping rituals. Now look what it has done to us all. Alpha Equar takes a look of concern. Be careful, Alpha Kaiden. The members of Godflow are reckless and indifferent to the ways of outsiders, that is certainly true. But it does not make them any less formidable. I recall one of our Centurion's ancestors met up with one unexpectedly near the Learning Cave many moons back. A small object had caught both of their gaze, and there was a struggle for it. In this story, he claims to have cracked the savage square in the chest with a hammer sledge. Not just a heavy axe, a hammer sledge! Alpha Equar holds his heavy axe in such a way as to indicate doubling its weight. He continues, It supposedly sent the god flow airborne above the trees and landing several stone throws away. The centurion returned and gloated of his victorious kill to the others. But much later, 
when he was near death, he told his family the rest of the events in confidence. Only a few moments after delivering the crushing blow to that Godflow, that furry, bloody, Godflow mess picked himself right up off the ground, gazed at the centurion in disgust, and just padded off. Apparently, he was not phased by the attack in the least. I think we know as little about them as they care to know about us. Thanks so much for listening to Episode 7. The movie, Tribes of M19, continues next episode.